Well, good morning. Yeah, kind of excited this morning. This is a, yeah, it's a start of a, we're calling it a new series, but I really feel like it's a, um, it's just a new, uh, new exciting thing for us as a church as we, we're stepping into here in this new year um, in seeking together what God has for us as a church um, in order to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave the church. And what I want to try and, it's just an introduction this morning, but I want to try and get us to understand what I'm trying to, to get us together with today is that, that for the next, I don't even know how long, a few months, as we seek together, that this be something that, that if we want to be the church that God wants us to be, we all have the Holy Spirit. You've, he's called you here to be part of this body and he's made you a part. And it's not just some leaders in a back room that kind of figure it out for you and come out and, and then try and kind of help you, right? That we together should be seeking God on what he has for us as a church. And that's what this, we call it a series, a series is going to be about, is, is exactly that. And so as I was as thinking through how to try and convey this this morning, trying to get our minds in the right place, um, I thought about kind of a parallel is how we think about our jobs. So you're, you're a, a worker, an employee somewhere, you do some, some job, maybe self-employed, maybe you're retired, but you can think back to what you used to do, or maybe you, you're a stay-at-home mom or something, you've got lots of jobs, <laughs> you can, they'll, this will apply. Um, but uh, there's, there's kind of two aspects to, to our jobs, and... One is kind of the personal, who we are as workers. Kind of, you're, a, you're an employee, you're a worker, and you've got, you got to work hard. It's almost define you as a worker. That's kind of your personal, who you are as a worker. But then there's also the job you do, the, the task, the produce, what you perform, what, kind, what the outcome is. And they're both, they can't really separate them, but that's what we do as our job. And so I think the easiest way to, to kind of picture this is if someone came up to you and asked you, why do you do your job? So that question of like, what's going to get you up tomorrow morning? Right? What is it? Why, why, why even go? Why work? Why do whatever it is you do? Why even do that? Uh, what, what, or maybe what are your personal goals? What are you trying to get out of your job? Those kinds of questions. Those are those who are you as a worker type questions. So how would you answer that? What, what would be some of the things you'd say? Why, why do you do your job? For family, yeah, for, to provide for your family, absolutely, yeah. Why else? There's probably there's not one right answer. There's probably a series of motivations, different things that all come into play, that all together, that are all part. There's probably multiple reasons. Any other reasons? Why do we get up in the morning, go to our jobs? To be productive, to do something, achieve something, produce something, for sure. What else? Want to make a difference? Yes. Absolutely, and so there's that, there's that, our, our jobs have purpose, you know, and we want to be part of that, we want to be part of something with purpose, for sure. Any others? Reasons? Service? Yeah, kind of along that idea. Yeah, I had a lot of the, the same ones, I thought, it, money, providing for your family, right, kind of the obvious one, we need to eat, put food on the table, shelter, because you enjoy it, 
I hope, I hope you enjoy your job, you know? And that one might vary from week. Some days you might enjoy it more than others. But that, that should be or could be a motivation for you to achieve or accomplish something productive, right? There's also maybe an element of just you're expected to, right? Your boss is expecting you there tomorrow. And uh, there's just an expectation that we work and we do something. We're productive, right? So all those things, that's, that's, that's who we are as workers. But it's a whole different question would be then um, what you do. If someone came up to you and said, what do you do? You answer that completely differently. You answer with kind of the job. I'm a teacher. I'm a farmer. Um, or maybe you're part of a company. I, I, we fix machines. You know, I'm a machinist and we fix mining equipment, whatever, right? And so there's, that's the what you produce. That's the product. Right? And so the two you can't really separate, but you have this picture. There's kind of the personal side, who you are as a worker, and that doesn't really change. That probably will stay much the same, whether you change careers or anything. You're still going to be much the same motivations in that that you will probably likely stay the same. But the job, the context, is, is likely to change and could change as you change jobs. And so just with that kind of in mind, that's kind of like the church. And so if we were to ask ourselves that similar question, why do you come to church? What got you up this morning? What are your goals, your personal goals with um, showing up this morning? What are you looking to get out of church? Why do you come to church? Sorry? To learn. Yeah. Yeah, I hope we'd be fed, we grow, we're looking to learn, right? For sure. Yes, fellowship, absolutely. Get together with your Christian family. Yeah, yeah. To worship, yes. Worship together, worship God. And we have the, this plane and that plane of worship for sure. Any other reasons? For a connection with God, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, church is not our only connection with God, but it is certainly a place where we look to, a goal is to connect with God in our church through coming to church. Any others? To come to his house? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. And, that, and that's one kind of, you'll see the parallels to the job thing, we, to be fed and grow, like we said, fellowship, to serve one another. We talked about being part of something to help others. And there's also, there's a fellowship that comes there's a part of fellowship that is people serving us. Oh, do we have another answer? No. <laughs> and uh, and I think he was going to say, because he enjoys it. Because he enjoys it. And because that's, a, I, I say, I've been so encouraged. One of the things, my kids are so excited to come to church. That's been, just been such a blessing for Amanda and I, kind of moving away from friends and family to come here and just to see our kids. Week number one, they were just so excited and it hasn't waned one bit. I'm so excited to come to church. I hope you enjoy coming to church. I like coming to church. Um, and then there's a little bit of that obligation, obedience. Maybe that's part of the, we're expected to. And that's not a bad thing. Expectations, there are good expectations. There is a good motivation to expectations. They're right and good for right and good things. But here's the, in, in this, what we just looked at there, that personal part of coming to church, I think we can say is probably what we often focus on um, in our Christian lives, isn't it? You think about it, the majority of the teaching, the more, majority of what we focus on is 
really a lot of those things. We want to grow, and they're good things to focus on. It's not wrong or bad. These are good things we should be focusing on, how we can be fed, how we can grow, fellowship and service, and, and just worshiping God. All those things are good things. But I think maybe one of the things that we miss in the North American church especially is the other part. What if we asked ourselves, what is your job? Or maybe a word we'd be more familiar with that we're using for this, our mission as a Christian. Or for us corporately, what is our mission as a church? What is that reworded? What is that mission that Jesus gave us? We'd answer it differently, right? That's, that, that's like the workplace. That's like the what do you do question as a job, right? And, and I don't know, I think maybe we're not so great at that, right? This is something that we don't maybe ask ourselves as often, is what is our mission? What is our job? What are we to be producing and achieving? And that's what this series is about, okay? And it's, and it's not that that other piece, the personal piece, isn't part of it, because it is, and you can't have one without the other, just like in your personal job, you, in order to do your work, you have to have the skills and you have to work hard, right? So the personal part of who you are as a worker is important. Um, and it's, it's the same with us, that in order to achieve, achieve the mission Jesus has for us, we need to work to be the kind of Christians God desires us to be. So there is that part, but what we want to focus on in this series is um, what that mission is. And so you'll see in the chair in front of you, there's a yellow slip of paper there. If everybody could grab that. Mine's white. But there's a yellow thing, and there's pens down there too. And one side, there's two sides, and one side has this question. What is the mission Jesus gave us? So you're looking at the what is the mission Jesus gave us side. Oh, is it not? It's not always yellow. My apologies. Some of them are white. <laughs> Causing confusion around here. Mine's white. See? And so you're looking at the side, what is the mission Jesus gave us? And I, I really want you to take this home. This is, again, back to that. I want us to do this. We're going to seek together. Be on this journey together. Okay? And so we're not going to be giving you one of you these every week, and so you don't have to worry about stacking up your, your garbage with them, Okay? But I really encourage you, this is the one piece of paper. We'll have more if you lose it. But <laughs> one piece of paper, take this home. Keep this with you. Put it in your Bible. And this is what we're going to be looking at over the next few months, possibly. And so if you just look at that, what is the mission Jesus gave us side? That's where we're going to start. Because if we want to be a church that fulfills the mission Jesus has for us, we need to understand what that mission is, right? And so that's where we're going to start, and you'll see this is just, hopefully you can take, take this home, and you can be kind of on your own and with each other, in your small groups, with your friends, with your spouse, starting to seek together, what is the mission that Jesus gave the church? And, and to really dig into it and understand it. I think we could all, probably all give a quick answer, you know, make disciples or something, and for sure, but we want to really understand what it is. And so there's some passages there that can get you started. And then down at the bottom half, there's some maybe, as you start to get, get your head into it and start to get a picture, um, and, and God reveals things to you through, this is all going to be through God's Word, by the Holy Spirit showing us. Um, there's some challenging questions there to kind of help us to evaluate 
how are we asking ourselves honestly, how are we going to, how are we doing this as a church right now? Is there anything that needs to change? Um, are we willing to change? Are we willing to offer God that kind of that blank slate? God, do whatever you want with us, our desires to, to fulfill this mission you've given us. And so um, this morning um, and in the weeks coming, the two passages we'll be doing on Sunday mornings um, that we chose are, and we're going to kind of be going back and forth, is the first five chapters of Acts and John chapter 14 to 17. So there's the passages we're going to be looking at over the next number of months. It's kind of our, our scripture series as we go through this. So the John is, John chapter 14 to 17, is right after the Lord's Supper. And, and Jesus is then, he, he's talking to his disciples there, and then they go out to the Mount of Olives, and it's there that he's betrayed and arrested that night, right? And so that John 14 to 17 is, I just want you to picture, if, if you knew that tonight you were going to be betrayed, arrested, and eventually crucified in a day, right? What, is the, what are the things, what are the last words you would leave with those closest to you? They'd probably be pretty important, right? <laughs> There'd probably be some pretty important instructions there. The, just the things you want people, this is what I want you to understand, and so that's why I chose that John 14 to 17, and we'll be looking at that starting next week and in the weeks to come, um, is to really understand if we're going to do Jesus' mission, what is these instructions, these key things he was teaching us and leaving his disciples, we're his disciples, in John 14 to 17. And then, the, and then we'll go back and forth between weeks. We'll be looking at Acts 1 to 5, and Acts is a historical account of the early church. That's where we see the, the disciples carry out what um, Jesus was asking them. And we see how they obeyed the instructions and how they lived out this mission. And it might look a little bit different for them than it did for us. The mission doesn't change, but how they go about it might be a little bit different. And that's what we're really going to look to discover and have God really lead us um, into how are we as Huron Chapel here today in this context, in this community, how are we going to fulfill this mission? And so this morning, we're going to start with Acts chapter 1. And this morning, just a couple, we're going to find a couple points to get us, um, to get us started on this journey of seeking. So Acts chapter 1 was written by Dr. Luke. He was a historian. He um, wrote the gospel of Luke. He wasn't one of Jesus' disciples, okay? He was a companion of Paul, so he came afterwards. But he was a historian, well-educated, and he went back and did, like any kind of good documentary historical research, he went back and interviewed the eyewitnesses that were there, and he wrote his gospel of Luke. And then this is kind of the sequel. You see that in verse 1. In the first book, the book of Luke, gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until that day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom. Um, and so he's writing this as a follow-up. So the book of Acts, one of the neat things is that Luke actually was there for some of these. And if you pay attention, if you read through the book of Acts, you actually see where he kind of changes from they to we. It's kind of a neat thing. But anyway, so just to give you a preview on, on Luke. So that's who's writing this. And this book of Acts is... The, the actual full title is the Acts of the Apostles. It's just simply a historical recording of what the early church did. 
And so here, um, Luke starts with, he introduces Theophilus. You might be curious who that is. Um, commentators are kind of, it could be, a, that could have been a real um, person that he was writing to. It would have likely been a Roman kind of benefactor, a, a very prominent Roman person who maybe funded the researcher or for Luke. Um, some commentators also think that it could just be a, a greeting, a representation um, that uh, Luke used in writing it because the name Theophilus means um, friend of God. And so kind of like a, hey, friends of God, here's why I'm writing the book. And so maybe it was both. But uh, just to, you might be curious, that's who, that's who that is. We don't really know much else about Theophilus. But the, the point is clear. Luke's looking to write um, the account of the, of the early apostles. <clears throat> Notice there in uh, verse number 2, he says, after he had given commands, after Jesus had given commands, and I think that's that, um, what we're going to be looking at, why we're going to be looking at John chapters 14 to 17, because that's what those are. Those are those final instructions that Jesus gave and uh, to his disciples. And so you could look, as you do your own study, you might be looking through any of the Gospels or a number of the Gospels and uh, or throughout the Scriptures to see what is it, where does Jesus teach us so much about this mission uh, that he gave us, the instructions he gave us. But um, So that's the commands that he gave us. And we'll be starting that next week as we'll be looking at the beginning of John 14 next week. And then notice there in, in, in verse 3 that it says that he appeared to them for 40 days. So after his resurrection, there was 40 days from then until um, he ascended. And so if you look at verses 4 and 5, that'll start to make sense because Jesus says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Um, so that, that 40 days, Pentecost, we'll know in a couple weeks when we get to that part of Acts, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. So just to kind of do the quick math, just so you can kind of put yourself here, Jesus is telling the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for about 10 days. That's about how long they were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And, and so this is kind of first point. If you're, there's pens there in front of you as well. But uh, first point is we seek out on this journey... Um, um, seeking God for what he has for the church is that we need the Holy Spirit to lead us. You see that language he uses? He ordered them. Jesus ordered them. Don't depart Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us as we go through this. Right? And if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, you wait in Jerusalem, remember the, ma- the majority of the disciples, I don't think there was any that were native to Jerusalem. So Jesus is basically saying, look, don't, don't go home. You're not going back to your families or anything like that. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't do anything. Don't do anything without the Holy Spirit until he comes. Just wait. Just wait in the upper, upper room. Okay? And, and I think for us, that's important for us to remember as well. I mean, if you think about the disciples, they were, here they've been on this journey for like three years with Jesus, right? And just in the past week, right, just leading, well, by 40 days, I guess 
50 days leading up to this, basically. The, they've had Palm Sunday. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. There's like, I mean, the crowds are proclaiming him as Messiah. And can you imagine being one of the disciples? You would have thought, this is it. This is it. He's going to say he's the Messiah. He's going to, she's showing everybody he's the Messiah. We're coming in. He's like a king, literally. He's riding in like a king. And this is when, you know, all that was, everything was building up to this. And then within a couple days, that same crowd is cheering, crucify him, crucify him. And he's killed and the disciples are scattered, right? And, and all that buildup, all of a sudden, the disciples would just be feeling like, oh, like, what happened? And everybody, Jerusalem kind of goes back to its usual business. You know, on top of that, you have the, the chief priests who are spreading lies, saying that the disciples stole Jesus' body. We know scriptures tell us they are telling that lie, right? So put yourself in the disciples' shoes, right? Wouldn't you want to be out there like when Jesus came alive again, like, no, 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 it's not true. Like, we've seen them. We've, you know, they'd be so excited to just to tell everybody that's not true. I mean, you'd think they'd be going to Jesus like, Jesus, come on, like, we got to get on this. Don't you hear the lies they're telling about you? Jesus, don't you, don't you see people are just, they, they don't know you're alive. Can't we tell people? It's just a fact. Do we really need the Holy Spirit just to tell people a fact? It's interesting that Jesus was like, ordered them, don't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything. And I think we can get caught in that. Churches grew up in church. We do church. We know how to do church. And are we in our own personal lives? How often do we include God in our decisions? How often do we include God? Or how much do we, are we able to, yeah, we can kind of do this on our own, you know? Can make this decision. If it gets really bad, then we... But how much do we include him in our everyday guilty, you know? And so that's the first thing, is we seek out on this journey, God, what do you want for us as a church? How do we fulfill the mission you gave us? We need the Holy Spirit to lead us as we study and as we take steps in obedience towards that. And we'll see here in the next couple of verses exactly why this is so important. Perfect example of this. Verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you know, to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Interesting. So after all that, right, then what's their, their response to Jesus? If they were to answer that question we had just looked at on our paper there, how would you explain the mission of the church? That's how the disciples would have answered at this moment. Well, the mission of the church is to overthrow Rome and reestablish Israel as a nation and go back to the times of David and Solomon. And, you know, that would have been how they would have answered the mission of Jesus, the mission of the church. But they were way off, you know? Jesus responds to them and goes, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, it's not about Israel. And it, God will do that in his time. That's up to the Father. It's not for you to worry about. Here's the mission. And Jesus shares the mission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea. And they're like, yep. And Samaria, wait, what? And to the end of the earth. Oh, that's your mission, Jesus? That's what you have for us? 
And so point number two, if you're writing them down as we go on this journey, Jesus' mission includes the Great Commission to make disciples. I think that's probably the obvious one if we had answered that question ourselves this morning, if you had just written down what's the mission of the church. I think we can all safely say we know that that's part of it. That's a big part of it, or it's, that's the center of it. The Great Commission to make disciples. And it's amazing that he gave us that task, isn't it? Isn't that amazing that he gave that mission to the disciples? You see how what the disciples said, said, when are you, is it at this time that you are going to restore Israel, Jesus? Is this when you're going to do this? And we know that we're going to see in the next verse that Jesus was leaving this mission. He redefines, he goes, that's not the mission. The mission is to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And by the way, it's not me doing it. Well, it's going to be me doing it through you. And then, whoop, up he goes. <laughs> you know? Isn't it amazing that he gave us this mission? God and his sovereignty and his design, his plan to reach the ends of the earth was not Jesus staying here for longer in person, right? He was only here for 40 days. Right? Such a short time after his resurrection. No, his plan, and he, and he says, we'll see in John when we get there, he says, greater things than I have done you will do by the power of the Holy Spirit through you. And so this mission is our mission, and it's what he gave to us as the church by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And then like I said, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So can you imagine being the disciples? You're there, you're standing on the mountaintop. He's, you're like, okay, Jesus, what's happening next? Are you going to restore Israel? And he's like, nope. My mission is that you be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Okay? And they're like, okay. And I mean, I'd just be like, all right. How's that going to happen? Whoop. You know? And no wonder why they're standing there staring. Like, why, well, he's gone. Is he coming like, like you know? Well, uh, and then you hear a voice behind you. Hey. And they turn around. And there's these two guys. And basically, if I was to summarize what the two angels say, they are like, hey, didn't you hear what he said? <laughs> he said, go be my witnesses. Go wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit first. That's critical. He ordered you to do that. But then you're going to be with So let's go. Get at it. As it's my, it's my Opa used to say, don't just stand there with your teeth in your mouth. Get cracking. Okay? <laughs> Right? And that's, maybe if the angels were here today, that's how they would have worded it. Do you realize it's our mission? This is our job that he gave to us. And I think it's amazing. Jesus, the angels give that time frame. They say, just like you, you they disciples literally watched him ascend into heaven, and the angels go, look it, he's coming back the same way, on the clouds. That's how he's coming back. There's your bookends. You got from now until he comes back. So go get at it. And so point number three is that this mission is urgent. Right? This mission is urgent. 
It's a matter of eternity. It's an urgent mission, and it's an active mission. We don't just wait for something to happen, you know, for God to do something, right? He wants to work through us. And it's an, there's an urgency to it. And if you kind of think about it, we're, we're, the, we're this, this same mission that he gave, that same thing that the angel said to the disciples. They're saying to us, and if anything, it's more urgent for us. We're 2,000 years closer to that point when he comes back, right? If there was urgency for them, what is there for us here 2,000 years later? This mission is urgent, and I think if we're to be honest with our day, the, the danger, the trap the devil has for our society today is distraction and comfort, isn't it? We're, we're so, we, we just need to be, be entertained all the time or at least be doing something, you know? We're distracted. There's so many things to distract us nonstop, right? We can't just sit. And there's so many distractions around us. It's just the reality of the world we live in, right? But we also live in a society in which there is more comfort, human comforts for us in our society than there ever has been in any human civilization in the history of the world. Realize that? We can live a more comfortable life than anybody ever. And we live in one of the richest countries in the world. So we have pretty much everything available to us, right? And so this is going, that's just the reality of where we are. God knew we'd be here in this time. And that's why it goes back to what is God asking us? How are we to fulfill this mission as a church today? Because that's what we're dealing with. To be the church, to fulfill Jesus' mission. We're, that's the world we're living in. That's what we have to deal with. And it's in the midst of that that we have to be the church and we also have to reach a world that lives in that same society. How do we do that? That's what we're seeking. You're starting to see what this, is, what this seeking is going to be about. That's what we're looking for. And so we'll need one another. Um, as we go through this, one of the beautiful things that Jesus gives us is a, is a fellowship, a body. And so don't seek alone. Talk to one another. Share with one another. What is God showing you? What opportunities and doors is he, is he opening? You know, this isn't, this isn't going to be a plan I, that we all figure all out and then, okay, today's day one. This is going to build, I believe. We've seen that in the history of the church. As we seek after him, he gives us opportunities. He gives us, how often does God only give us one step? Huh? How often does God reveal the whole big plan for us? Anybody had that in their life? I'd like to talk to you after. Um, right? It's one step at a time, one thing, and you step out in faith and obedience. And that's what he's going to be asking of us too. And so what are those first couple steps we can take for this week? Well, let's look at what the disciples did. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount, so they obeyed Jesus' order first off. I didn't have that in my notes. I just thought of that. You put that down too. Um, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey, half a mile, I think the NLT said. And when they'd entered the upper room and were where they were staying, and the names of the disciples, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. 
All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So they all, they obey Jesus first, but look at verse 14. Pay attention to verse 14. Here's the things for us we can take. Here's our steps, practical steps for this week. First off, they are in one accord. Unity, right? We are doing this together. And we're going to continue. We've talked about this over the last number of weeks that we need to continue to build unity and love among one another. And so um, that's the first thing. Let's, if there's anything that is hindering that, continue to build that love and unity with one another. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. What does it mean to devote yourself to something? Right? That's what it's going to take. Again, we live in a society that just distractions and comfort. In order to really seek God, we're going to have to devote ourselves. It's going to take effort. It's going to take discipline. Right? Just like our jobs. Right? We have to put the effort in. And it's no different here. To fulfill the mission of Jesus, we need to devote ourselves. And then the third one is, of course, prayer. And so I just summarized those there and our doers of the word seek to be in one accord by striving for unity and love with one another. Devote ourselves to seeking God for his will for us and pray. It's a pretty good start. I think that'll be a good start for us. Amen? Are you willing to commit to this as a church? Willing to seek? Are we willing to commit to seeking Jesus for his mission? You sure? What if it's hard? What if it means change? Right. And that's what the, uh, just prelude, we'll get to it at some point, but the other side of your sheet, you can have a look at that at some point. But that's kind of what those, that's what that is looking to ask. And I included verse 15 as a close just for that reason. During this time when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. I just want to draw attention to that 120 believers as we close. Because um, just if you think about that, isn't that kind of shocking? After three and a half years of ministry, Jesus, God in the flesh, miracles and all that he did, there was 120, that's it? That's how many people were left that were committed and willing to commit themselves to fulfill the mission he had. 120. That's all there was. And yet, that 120 today, there's been billions. Billions of souls saved. Right? Billions. That word is going out to the ends of the earth. Here we are our continent, they didn't, probably didn't even know existed <laughs> 2,000 years later, right? And we stand here today because of God working through that 120. Isn't that incredible? Do you believe that God can work? You know, there's probably about 120 of us here this morning. Are you kidding? You're not serious. <laughs> Heidi takes attendance. There's exactly 120 people here this morning. That's amazing. Um, do you believe, church, then, that we can, uh, that he can do amazing things through us? In our Jerusalem, Auburn, in our Judea, that's the, all the communities that you all come from. 
in our Canada, you know, our, our country, into the ends of the earth? Do you believe he can do something amazing through us? Are we willing to commit to that? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are so good. We love the ways that you speak. We love the ways that you lead. And we love the, the things you do, like giving us an exact number just to confirm that you are in this. This is your desire. And so, God, bring us to a point of surrender. A willingness, Lord, to give up distractions and comforts for your mission. Lord, a willingness to seek unity and forgiveness and love with one another for the sake of your mission. A willingness to devote ourselves to your mission. Oh God, might you do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And we pray this by faith in your name, Jesus, by the power of you working in us and through us, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you're so